When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given and I am joined as ever by Mr Stephen Finn. Finney, how are you mate? I'm fantastic. I've lost my voice after donating far too much money to Trump at at Turnberry over a couple of days last week. He was charging me £8 a pint for a Guinness, which was an absolute shambles. So he's probably having a few spray tans on me, but other than that, I'm, (laughs) um, I'm very good, thank you. Uh, I should explain, if you didn't hear last week's episode, that Stephen Finn was on his way to play golf at Turnbury, one of Donald Trump's golf courses up in Scotland. Um, how how did it go, Finney? Because you recently had a midlife crisis and got your ears pierced. Well, I, I played golf okay the other day. When I say okay, I went around in 23 over and immediately had a midlife crisis and I treated myself to an entire custom set. And so, <laughs> so I'm having a midlife crisis with you. How did you go? Did you hit the ball well? The first day, when I'd only had a couple of beers in me before the first hole, I was fine and really enjoyed it. And the weather was set fair. The second day, we had an absolute skimful the night before. Um, we had to tee off on the Ailsa, which is the championship course, at 10 past 10. I was seeing about four balls when I was on the first tee box. Shanked it, duffed it, short of the ladies' tee. Had to pull my pants down and play with my pants down for the next shot. <laughs> And then it started pissing down about a third of the way through and was cold, windy. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed the first day a lot more than the second day, but it was still fun. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you stuck to that rule because some people bottle it when they play at a nice course, but I'm glad that you were made to play the next shot with your trousers around your ankles. Now, next up, a, a man that nobody wants to see with his trousers anywhere <laughs> other than firmly above the waist, uh, Mr. Daniel Norcross. How are you, Dan? I'm, I'm completely naked from the waist down. I've finally oh. arrived at this hotel. And uh, yeah, I, I, the, the train was a trifle late. And then it was one of those things where I was having a fag because I had, you know, because I've been in the train for a long time, like two and a quarter hours. So I thought I'll have a fag and then get in the cab. And then it became clear to me that by actually waiting, I was going to get the Joker cabman because I'd seen this guy, the long hair the sort of, you know, 62 years old, still trying to rock it. He was going from cab to cab. All right, mate, how are you doing? Great to see you. Yeah, wonderful, yeah. And shit, if I didn't end up in his cab. So he started by telling me that he wasn't going to take up much of my time and then took me the longest route possible through the centre of Manchester, <laughs> uh, 45 minutes in a cab, while he told me all about how to commentate football and uh, what he thought about John Motson and uh, Manchester City. He's a big Man City fan. I got to find out a lot about Man City, which I wasn't that keen on. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then I arrived to find that the shop that I'd earmarked to get my bottle of wine from for 6 99 so that I could actually endure the next 45 minutes of my life while you two pons on about golf. Um, <laughs> and the bleeding shop had closed down, hadn't it? 
So I had to go and get a bottle of Pinot from the bar and to say that this is a challenging Pinot is to put it mildly. It is, it's, it's, I'm going to have to go fast early. That's the only way with a bit of pinched nose and just glug. So talk amongst yourselves for the next 10 minutes and I should be compass mentis by around five to six. Perfect. It shows chick, how, chick. That, well, because of COVID, the TMS team, you know, you haven't been going up to Salford as much as you no, used that's to. that's right. And as a result, yes. that shop has closed down because they were they normally yeah. re- they rely on you buying wine from there every five minutes. And as soon as you that's, weren't that's there, that's basically it. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> it. So because because we did a lot of stuff up here, and then you're right, COVID ended, and then no no coincidence, it ended. Craig, Craig uh, Charles is downstairs in the bar, is he holding court? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was right. going to go and have a was chat with him, robot, and then I got to speak to you. Robot Wars, didn't Craig Charles? Robot Wars, that's right. Oh, what a program. Yeah. And now this and, is a uh, generational thing that you went Red to. Dwarf. Yeah, I was going to say the fact that me and Finney both fought our oh, robot wars before we fought of Red Dwarf shows shows our generation gap here. Uh, well, lovely to see you, Norcross, as always, and uh, and you get that wine down, you sir. Now I am I'm joined by these two reprobates uh, every single week, but I'm very excited to say that we have got a very special guest of us as well because we are joined by the one and only. Mr. Jack Leach. Hello, Jack. How you doing, mate? You well? Good, thanks, Woo-hoo! mate. Yeah, good. Um, is this a cricket podcast? I haven't meant, uh, heard it mentioned <laughs> once, but um, um, thanks for the nice welcome. I'm not very special, but um, yeah, thanks for that anyway. <laughs> well, you're very special to us. We don't get many guests, as you can imagine, having heard that first five minutes. Nobody ever wants to come and chat to us. <laughs> well, you know why he's on, poor thing? This was not part of his plan, I don't think, but I bumped into the Cricket Writers Club. Yeah. And I'd had a bit to drink and uh, I chatted and, and all the time, you know, I was listening to Jack you know, very, very politely, but all the time I could hear Toby's voice in my head going, invite him on the podcast, invite him on the podcast. <laughs> so poor Jack was just thinking he was chatting away to me perfectly harmlessly. And then he's got lumbered with this. So thank you, Jack. Yeah, he's just too nice. I was surprised to get your message the next day because I thought you might not have remembered that we exchanged <laughs> You were gutted. You should just do what Finney and I have done and block his number. It will save you a world of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't tell him my number, did I? <laughs> I just got his. Yeah. Very wise. Very, very wise. Uh, Jack, it's great to see you. Genuinely, how have you been the last, I mean, 18 months, I guess, because we sit here on this podcast every week and we talk about covid bubbles and you know squad rotation and how weird cricket has been over the last 18 months but you've actually been in there living it how how strange has it been as a player uh, yeah it has been strange i think um <laughs> so strange that i'm actually going to take up golf now as well um because it's the only way <laughs> to get out of the bubble so i'm now taking golf clubs to australia i bought some second hand off ebay um, so, yeah, I think um, oh. my midlife crisis has come quite early. Yeah, it has been strange. I think to start with, you kind of, you know, you do anything to kind of play for England and, you know, you just see it as an amazing opportunity. I guess cricket is quite a, a bit of a bubble, it, even when, you know, COVID's not going on. But so you kind of think it will be fine and it is fine, you know, but I think over time it kind of does weigh you down a little bit and, you feel like a little bit of a zombie in there. And um, I guess, especially when we didn't have crowds, I think that was particularly hard. And yeah, I think um, over time it did start to to weigh down, especially when you're not playing. I guess you've got more time to think and you're just spending a lot of time training, missing out on county cricket and 
not sure if you're improving as a player or not. And I think those are the hardest things for me. I, I was in those bubbles with you last year in Manchester and and Southampton, but not not for the whole time. So you guys went the whole time, and we found that if you did sort of two or three weeks, that's when it started to really get you down. So. You know, some commentators were in it sort of constantly because they were going from the test matches and the one day is then back to the test matches. Whereas I was sort of popping in and out. I was doing like one week at a time. So for me and Tuffers, it was absolutely great because we'd meet up uh, at a time when no one was allowed to go to bars and we could go to the bar and the hotel yeah. and just, just, you know, go crazy. Yeah. But for you guys, especially in Manchester, uh, you know, I, I, I despise golf, so I'm not going to get drawn into that. But I believe that at the AGS Bowl, <laughs> you've got a golf course so you can wander around and tell your caddy to, to pick up your rubbish or whatever strange feudal nutcase things happening in golf. But in Manchester, you couldn't go anywhere, could you? I mean, that did that feel noticeably more claustrophobic? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, at the AGS Bowl, we did an, uh, a month or so before the first test. Um, and I think that was quite... A long time of doing any you know doing it before a game and then we had the first test there then we had two tests Manchester back to a GS Bowl I think I'd, I would happily never go to the GS Bowl again <laughs> and um, it, it kind of like you wake up and you know I think I used to enjoy like you know you play a county game there and you're like oh the ground is just there that's so good um, and you've kind of got a view mm. of the ground and then Oh, that view of the ground. I, I don't think I'll ever forget it. But um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, I didn't play golf last year I, and I didn't play COD either. So, you know, those are the two things that people seem to spend their time doing. So, yeah, I'm not sure what I did really, but um, there was a bit of card school and stuff like that. And obviously, like, I think as players, we can't really drink our way through it. So with games and stuff no. I'm sorry about that. We, we we did get to do that, but <laughs> but you 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 mentioned something. I was I wanted to sort of just come back to you on there. You said you weren't even sure if you were getting any better because you weren't getting to play matches. But one of the sort of features it seemed to me of the bubbles was that actually these like the over the the, the teams you were playing and indeed the England players themselves seemed to go into those test matches looking like they were really quite prepared. I mean, was that partly because you were actually practicing with the very best players coming into squad games and constantly netting with the team do you think that actually sort of raised the level a bit it was hard for us to understand from watching on because we were expecting it to be a bit more ragged you know yeah. when it first started back in June July yeah I remember there being a real excitement just because you know it's like a new experience for all of us to like that first half of the season was just completely written off so you know you kind of start thinking, oh, I've taken this stuff for granted. And, and I think as a group, we were really looking forward to just like getting back out there and, and playing. So I think we felt very lucky in the circumstances to, to be able to have Test Cricket on. And we knew that obviously there was a lot of people in worse positions and also, but also who would enjoy the cricket being on um, as something to keep them busy and stuff. So I think all of those things combined, um, you know, you felt a bit of a duty to kind of be on top of your game. And, and um, yeah, we were also just really excited to be playing cricket again. 
Yeah, it's uh, it was. It was so nice when that test cricket, it feels like a different lifetime now, but when those behind closed doors test series were happening against the West Indies, it was so, so welcome. I was like, right, well, that's my next five days of lockdown sorted. I don't have to leave the sofa. <laughs> uh, Finney, I want to touch on something there because Jack mentioned he's taking his golf clubs out to Australia. By the way, be very careful, Jack. I've just come back from Spain. I've lost my nine iron and my eight iron's bent in half. So make sure you look after those clubs. The baggage <laughs> handlers do not care about your golf clubs oh. at all. Uh, Finney, but... How much has it changed from when you first started playing and going on England tours to, to sort of nowadays? When Because I look at some of the England setups now and you'll see Ben Stokes, for example, go on tour. And it looks like his Xbox setup is better than the one that I've got at home here. And that's, you know, on the other side of the world. And it used to just be, like Jack mentioned, that used to just be um, basically you played a game of cards if it rains. And, uh, and in between, um, normally the players would go out drinking all night and Jack Russell might be painting. And apart from that, there wasn't a lot to do. But... It's so different nowadays with the, the entertainment on hand for these guys when they're touring. Vinny, did you play with Jack Russell? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I might be just yeah. older than you, Lee. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying I tell you, I can't, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying oh, this old jokes coming at me. They're going at yeah. Finney. This is brilliant. <laughs> You've just been on, just just got off the boat in Australia. You know, then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> no, me and Leachy were groomsmen for Joss Butler at his wedding. That's where we formed a real strong bond on Joss's stag do a few years ago. So it's those jibes. I think he's still getting me back for corn and peanut for for the entire <laughs> few days in um, in Amsterdam. But like the the thing for. The entertainment for cricketers now is very different. I think we didn't have curfews really, unless it was the night before a game. As I understand it now, the guys have curfews every single night, even on a normal tour outside of COVID times. My cat's literally getting in on the act now. Look at it. <laughs> it's a really, it's a really lovely cat. Actually, it is a beautiful cat. I'm mesmerised by the cat, not you. That was a is great it, entrance it, as well. I should explain. For is it a British blue? This. Yes. Is it a British blue? It's yeah. bloody. They've got lovely fur. A British blue. Make great gloves. Absolutely lovely. <laughs> oh, Finney, Finney was describing the curfews and then just beautifully, his cat just popped his head in from the left of screen, just stared, <laughs> stared down the camera and then it's taken one look at Norcross and it's fucked off. Yeah. <laughs> you scared her shitless. <laughs> uh, you were saying about the curfews, Finney, back in the day. Yeah, like we were very lucky that there were no curfews. So the best way to get over jet lag in Australia is just, or was just to stay up as late as you could. And the way you do that is by going out and having a few beers um, and everyone together as a team, which is actually quite a nice team building experience to go out and just get your feet under the table in Australia. But I think now with the, the amount of money that's in the game and the sponsors that rely on the guys to be heads on and switched on the whole time, um, I think that that's one of the biggest things about touring and one of the things that actually does make it really hard and adds even more pressure onto the guys who are touring, which I think sometimes gets misunderstood, I think. And as Leachy says, it's such an honour and a privilege and a pleasure to play for England and to represent your country. But um, when you're when constraints are put on you so much, it does make you do mad things like play Xbox for 12 hours a day and then go and play a round of golf. <laughs> has, has that changed, Jack, noticing me in the last few years? Because I was out for the, the last Ashes series and I remember, I remember having a drink in Brisbane with... Uh, so like Johnny Bairstow and James Taylor. James Taylor was there with us anyway and somebody else. So people were sort of out and about, you know, going off to bars and yeah. you know, not, not getting hammered or anything, just going out in the evening. Yeah. Has, has, that, has that sort of changed a bit then in the last few years? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I remember my one of my first tours was Sri Lanka and um, 
the one day guys were already out there and then the the test boys joined them and and they were at the end of their tour we were at the start of ours but we went to Kumar Sangakara's restaurant it was like an opening event oh yeah the crab one Oh yeah, yeah. No, sorry. It was a sports bar that was he was opening. It was a couple of years ago, and um, we, um, you know, it's my first experience of touring with England, and um, you know, we they said everyone's going to go there for a little bit, and it ended up being the booziest night ever. And I was sat at the bar at the end of the night with Joss and Jimmy Anderson, and Jimmy was saying to me that he didn't he didn't spray people in county cricket because he couldn't be bothered, and I was thinking what. He literally sprayed me so bad. And so, um, <laughs> and he was like, oh, I don't think I even know I'm doing it. And um, so like those kind, of, <laughs> those kind of conversations that maybe, uh, I think what Finney was saying earlier, like those kind of conversations, it was really good to have that. It kind of makes you feel a bit more comfortable. And I don't think those necessarily happen as well without alcohol um, at times, or at least like sitting around in a social situation and and kind of getting to know each other on a bit of a deeper level so that was a really good start to that tour and we won three nil I don't know if it had anything to do with it but um <laughs> it went really well so but yeah I think the boys will be even if it's just going out for food and stuff it's just trying to get away from the cricket when you can and I think that's what's gone missing the last couple of years with COVID especially is um that you know you'd go back to your room and think about the day's play or whatever and and that is probably not very healthy that's what J- jason holder said said sorry jason holder said exactly that in manchester he said the problem for them was that it was it was the same people every evening and as captain he felt he had to keep them going he had to keep them up mm. so they would go to that room you know there's a designated space wasn't there for each team at old trafford yeah but it would be like go and do it rinse repeat come back and then you'd gaze out at the ground with where yesterday you might have got first baller. So you couldn't even escape. It was like it was screaming at you, saying, yeah, you screwed up yesterday right there. Yeah. <laughs> you open the curtains. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. Well, a lot of um, a lot of ex-cricketers and guys who played in the 70s, 80s, they swear by the interactions that you have under the influence of alcohol and not necessarily binge drinking and, and going out and being absolute idiots, but the conversations and the openness that you have regarding cricket in those situations help them learn and develop as players and learn from the older guys because that's where they did their talking about cricket was in a social environment. Um, I mean, those conversations probably happen a bit more, maybe if they're forced or not now, I don't know, but I think they were, they were far more natural back in the day by the sounds of it. And, and that's a shame that if, you, like, if, if you're not allowed out to do stuff or you're spending so much time with guys through the day that you don't actually get the opportunity to go out and do that and have that learning experience I think that's something that's a shame to lose as well yeah I think one of the the biggest things I think when you when you fail in the game is that you you're almost worried about what your teammates think of you and and so if you're having that kind of um, camaraderie or whatever at the end of the day and you end up having a laugh and a joke about it and you sort of see your teammates reaction to you maybe fucking up then at least then it kind of it can put you at ease moving forward and I think just sometimes being able to have a laugh and a joke about messing up we've kind of lost that 
maybe as society is like we you know scared to fail and that kind of thing and actually anything that makes that a little bit easier probably will bring the best out in people more often you've come on the right you've come on the right podcast jack yeah we are people <laughs> who are not scared to fail <laughs> no, we, 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 we've been failing in this podcast for the last 32 weeks and, and, and years, we always so, come you know. back yeah. Yeah. yeah it's still costing us money to do this fucking thing when am i going to buy myself a flat white with the proceeds you're, of something you're obsessed with money finney you're obsessed with money yeah. for, for something think think of the fans think of the people who tune in religiously every week to what, hear seven peopleism and my yeah. mum yeah but those but those seven people all love you, Philly. They love you for you. And you're, you're giving them something. Look, think of the parish priest in the Shetlands. He's probably only got about five people in this congregation, or her, for that matter. And he, she and he goes out there and does the Lord's work every week. Doesn't think, where's the money coming from? Ooh, there's only five people. No, you gaze into their enraptured faces and you realise what inspiration you give to a very small part of a new generation of cricket lovers <laughs> i can't believe you just com- <laughs> yeah. compared this rabble of a podcast to the to the word of our lord and our savior jesus Christ. <laughs> well it's up there <laughs> <laughs> um i do want to actually ask Philly because uh jack mentioned there when he played against jimmy anderson in county cricket of course you two have uh have come face to face in county cricket before Finney, how's your batting been against jack's bowling would you say well i can't remember if i faced leachy actually do you know what? I, I, he got me out twice this year. Yeah, I got him out twice. He's in each pocket. Um, one, one in each pocket. Billy, do you remember I got you out? You know, before we went on the stag do, and it was that game you yep. took down, and I got you out OVW. Yeah, you relegated us on an absolute cabbage patch <laughs> oh! wicket. Yeah. The groundsy, mate, the groundsy had a trowel and fucking digger on the wicket the night before the game. <laughs> oh, was was that was that the year you didn't bowl your overs quick enough against Surrey, and then yeah, you got you got relegated because of that. Was it? The, oh, oh well, Surrey must into been, it. Must been, that must have been agonising for you, Finney. <laughs> so, so Jack, presumably, Jack, when he got you out, you were what? You were swinging for the hills for the declaration where you no. knocked a couple of sixes off him. You caught a D mid wicket. No, no you did cut me for four. That was a wonderful shot. Oh, thanks, Finney. I do need that at the moment. So, yeah, I um, I got out twice, caught short leg, didn't I? Yeah. In the same day. It's oh, always hard, right? In the same day. Don't say this publicly. The Aussies don't need to know this. They're going to target big time Sal, the producer, needs to expunge this. I want to edit this out, Finney, because that, that made me go away and work on it. And next game, I was pulling and, oh, it felt so good. So um, that that's... Don't worry about that. I was in a bad place at that point. <laughs> but it's always hard, right? So when you're bowling against your mates and your mates are tail enders, like Leachy, well, Leachy's got a test match 90, so he's not a genuine tail ender, but <laughs> yeah. he bats down the bottom. And you don't, you just want to get them out. You don't want to hurt them. You don't want to have to bang it in short. But because Leachy's literally got the best forward defence in English cricket, it meant that you sort of have to resort to it. So like when you're bowling to your mates, the first few, you're like, right, I'm going to try and nick him off here and it, for a few overs until you're getting a bit tired and you're like, I'm, I'm really sorry. You almost want to apologise before you bowl the ball and say, look, we all know what's coming here. Yeah. We all know that it's going to get slammed halfway down. I don't really want to do it, but if you were to just miss a straight one, that would be fantastic. We can still be friends. But on the flip side, if you're going to hang around, you're going to force me to a point where I'm going to have to bounce you. Yeah. And we've now reached that point. So yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, Finny, 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 
be honest with us. How long did it take you to get to that point? Because you're a notoriously impatient man. Was it two? <laughs> was it was it one leave and one forward defensive? And you went, for fuck's sake! Second innings, it was immediately. <laughs> Second innings, it was, yeah. Because the captain was like, right, you're, you're bouncing him. Because that's always the conundrum you have as well. Because if someone comes in and it's your mate and the captain goes, bounce him. And in the back of your mind, you're like, but he's my mate. I don't really want to bounce him. But the captain's looking at you at mid-off going, bounce him <laughs> like, oh for god's sake and short legs there waiting for it you got deep square out just in case he decides to take it on no one in front of square and you're just like oh, i'm sorry leachy it's coming yeah. it's coming <laughs> well jack next time you're about to face finney just uh, just remind him as you're walking past him go Finney, I'll just, uh, you bounce me here and just remember, I know everything that happened in Amsterdam. And if you, want me to, if, 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 you, if you want me to take those secrets to my grave, then you better bowl nice and floaty outside off stump. Thank you very much. Well, they weren't that secret because we got caught by the paparazzi on the first day of the stag team. <laughs> yeah. Unbel- I mean, to be fair. You got caught doing what? Hang on, you can't leave it that day. Caught, caught. Uh, when we what? say we, I, I was the only person who got photographed doing this. I got caught waving a 10-inch sex toy around um, yeah. the streets oh, of Amsterdam. I've uh, seen that photo. Was that in this? Was that on this stag do? Was it? Yeah, I'd imagine that's done the rounds on quite a few cricket WhatsApp groups. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm typing yeah. Stephen Finn dildo into Google Images, it and comes I'm terrified up straight to away. Think. Don't worry about that. <laughs> there, he, there, there he is. There's Finny. There's our there's our Finny waving a dildo around in the great the great. Lights oh, yeah, that of, rings a bell. That. Yeah, well, quite literally. Oh, yes. There we go. Yes, 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 yes. There I we go. Like, oh, what that was then. Uh, it's, lovely to put, it's lovely to put a stag do to a face, if you know what I mean. It is. It's <laughs> very, oh, it's, oh, and, and, oh, and if you keep scrolling through Google Images, now somebody's throwing you the dildo, and uh, knowing Finney, you probably dropped it. You dropped it, uh, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> now, now, boy, that now, made the stag do, though. The boys were absolutely loving it. Like, they were on the front of the Daily <laughs> Mail, and it said, like, Stephen Finn practising his... <laughs> Throwing and catching skills with a sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that is the dream. If you're on a stag do, you are hoping that you make it to the front page of a, of a national paper. So fair play to you, bro. Uh, now I've got to ask you, Jack, about how life is at the moment because Finney, you know, he's uh, his midlife crisis continues. Not only has he got his ears pierced, but he's moving down to to Brighton as well, moving down to Sussex. There you go. There's the earring. What do you make of it, Jack? Can you see the dangly bit on it as well? Look, I've oh, you've added a bit. dangly bit. Blimey. Oh, is that Hashim Amla or not? That doesn't look like Hashim Amla. Here we go. Because he was going to put his bunny on his ear, you see. <laughs> and Finney, being a man of, of limitless confidence, that decided that Hashim Amla, one of the great batsmen of all time, is his bunny because he got him out once or something. <laughs> He's going to dangle a little representation of Hashim Amla on his ear. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly worried that you keep adding accessories to, to your jewellery. If we keep doing this podcast for another six months, you're going to look like Mr. Oh, T. Absolutely. Yeah. I can see Leachie with a couple of earrings in as well, actually. Intimidating. What, what do you make of it, Jack? You've already started playing golf, so that's the start of a midlife crisis. Ear Pierce, what do you reckon? I think, uh, not for me, but Vinny... Um, Finney's quite a fashionable guy, so it's obviously a thing at the moment. Oh, no. In London. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. I, this wasn't what we got you on a podcast for, Jack. Can we be quite clear? I thought I, I, thought I made myself really clear. You always look smart, to be fair. Uh, so I've got to ask you about life at the moment, Jack, because our Finney here, I mean, he hasn't got to play any cricket for about six months. He's probably just going to sit on his backside. He's not going down to Australia to play some cricket. 
You are, however. So how's all the fitness going at the minute? How is the pre-Ashes warm-up going? Yes, yeah, it's, it's going well. Um, I had a small amount of time off at the end of the season. Had a wedding uh, in the Isle of Wight, which was lovely. Adam Hose from Warwickshire. He was getting married, so it was a bit of a um, uh, championship-winning party as well. So that was nice to um, be part of that. Not, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's, only, it's only way a Somerset player will ever get to be a part of a championship winning right. party if, you, oh, if, if, if the last 140 enough. years or anything to go by. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, yeah, so I've had a little bit of time off, but now it's um, it's kind of back into things, back in the gym. Uh, started bowling Friday, and yeah, just getting back into training now. I've got fitness testing next week at Loughborough, and yeah, it's all ramping up really, which is. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it and I'm I can't wait to to go down under and obviously now it's gonna be a massive challenge and really relishing it. I, I sometimes I'm so I'm skeptical sometimes when I hear cricketers say that they're relishing um training. But <laughs> the first time I met you was at Taunton a couple of years back and it was that game against Essex when it was winner yes. takes all. And and it was pouring with rain most of the time. It was really disappointing because it could have mm. been brilliant. And at the end of every day. I'd see you in the indoor nets just bowling the, the overs that you didn't get to bowl that day because the bloody rain had come. And I thought this was a fantastic dedication to to your art. Yeah. Uh, do, do you actually enjoy training? I mean, Jimmy Anderson says he enjoys training. Do you enjoy it? I do sometimes. I think um, <laughs> I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it. I think um, like really am like wanting to like master my craft, which I know takes a lot of time. But I think I'm... I, I'm a big thinker, um, which can be sort of, it's a positive, like, but it's also my negative, probably a strength and a weakness because I think, yeah, at times I can kind of burn myself out really with it and not know when to relax and leave it and just do rather than think and want to keep getting better. I guess the, the art of it is to kind of know what you need to get better at and not overdo it because I get excited when I feel something different and I'm like oh that's really nice and and then I want more and I want more and it can get a little bit too much at times so I think it's just finding that balance all the time but I think if I wasn't that way inclined then I probably wouldn't have got to where I am now so I have to remember that it's probably probably helped me out. I've got to ask you on the on the fitness side because surely I mean you're bowling your slow left arm Surely you don't have to have the exact same fitness regime as, for example, when Ben Stokes is in the side and he's there planning on bowling yeah. 20 overs, score, scoring 100 and throwing himself around in the field. Are you expected to be at the same level as Ben Stokes when he's in the squad? Uh, I agree totally. I love that. I think you should get in, <laughs> in contact with the UTB and suggest that. Um, but yeah, we are expected <laughs> to be at the same level. And yeah, so it's um, it's tough, I think. I'm not mad into my, I'm probably not the most natural athlete, as you can probably see by the way I move around the field. But yeah, I, I try hard and um, I get the work done that I need to do. And yeah, that's that's it really. With the Ashes around the corner, and obviously it's um, it's going to be fascinating watching England down there. And we know what Australia's bowlers are going to do. They're going to bowl 90 miles an hour and there's probably going to be a lot of stuff at the English batsman's heads. Yeah. Um, but there is room for spinners in Australia. Spinners, there was this one guy, Shane Warne. Yeah. He did quite well down there. You might have heard of him. Um, your test career has been 
been, I guess it must have been quite frustrating um, from your point of view because you've never let England down really when you're in the team. And I was looking at your stats, you've got a bowling average of 29 in 16 matches, but it does often feel like every time you, you're starting to get into the side and do well and take wickets, then you come out the side because obviously in England, the conditions aren't always the most helpful for, for spin bowling. Yeah. It's a big overcast green seamer. So they pick four sort of 80 mile an hour swinging seamers. Um, is it, it must be frustrating for you sometimes being in and out and not getting that run. Definitely. I am. Um... It's nice that you noticed that as well, because I think that is the most frustrating thing is, um, I guess, you know, coming back from India, I knew, I knew it was it was good conditions to bowl spinning, but I felt like also I gained a lot of confidence from the guys that I was getting out. And I felt like I was sort of gaining momentum and, and you don't want that momentum to kind of stop. And, and unfortunately it did in the summer. Stokesy being out doesn't help my position probably with that Top, you know that top order batter who also bowls some seam allows for a different balance of of team so um it wasn't to be uh this summer and you know it's just about trying to stay in as good a place as possible and get the training done and 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 trust that that opportunity will come again and yeah I guess I felt like England might have been a nice kind of sort of you know, bowling in India, and then I felt like bowling in England. I enjoy bowling in England. It it does spin over the five days, and um, with a Duke's ball, and then going to Australia is a whole new challenge. Kookaburra ball, flatter wickets, and um, so it would have been nice to have some game time over the over the summer, but um, it just you know it wasn't the right thing for the team. So I have to take that on the chin and and uh, be be ready to go when I'm when I'm called upon out there so yeah so it's a weird one because since me and Stokesy did that batting at Headingley it's felt like you know actually I I need him all the time and if he's not in the team then I might as well phone him up and say when are we gonna play again <laughs> like I, I might as well <laughs> yeah. sit out until then but um well yeah I think um it's um you know obviously Mo who's been brilliant for England and um I have a really good relationship with him and he's been so good with me and definitely helped the first part of my career, the way he's welcomed me in. And yeah, obviously with him retiring, I think um, there'll obviously be opportunity there if, if they want to play a spinner. And yeah, I just can't wait. Well, Jake, I, I want to just come and I know you can't respond to any of these things I'm going to say, Jack, but I think it's, I think it's an absolute outrage. I think you're underselling yourself for a start. I think you're a damn sight better batsman than they give you credit for. That one was the greatest one in the history of all Test cricket at Headingley against Australia. And you're 90-something at, at Lords, which I did commentate, and uh, I've never been more gutted in my entire life than when you got out there. I think I might... No, I can't possibly be more gutted than you because you could have got on the honours board at Lords with 100. But, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that was to rub it in. But I was really, really, really gutted. And... It's not just Stokes, it's Wokes, because I reckon yeah. if Chris Wokes had been around, they might have been able to find a way of doing it. And then I think it was just a false premise because they, look, and I know, I don't expect you to comment on this, but they allow Stuart Broad to score 169 at Lords in 2011 or 10 and, and be a proper batter and then get progressively worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And they keep on picking him. You're genuinely the number nine in that side, and quite rightly too, because you're batting better than these two old buggers who can't be bothered <laughs> to actually put the time in in the nets and bat properly. And I know you can't say anything, and I'm not expecting you to, but I speak for literally hundreds of thousands of fans around the world who think that it's all wrong. We should be playing our best left arm spinner. Our best spinner, bar none, should be in the side because 
if we're only going to play one spinner, you might as well get the very best one, and you are he. And, uh, uh, and, and I needed to get that off my chest, Toby. Here, here. It annoys me. That wine's just about kicking in then. Yeah. Yeah, I said that cheap Pinot Grigio is kicking in. Yeah, yeah there's not much left. Look. <laughs> um, yeah, if anyone's listening from the ECB, I completely disagree with that. <laughs> of course look at that. you do. But you're yeah, right. Of course you do. I, I expect you to disagree. No, I, I thank you for the support. And it's so nice to hear that. And I think... Um, it probably is something that I do do is undersell myself and yeah, but I'm, I've do feel, com- I think at times maybe uh, when I do that, people think, Oh, I'm not that confident. Whereas actually I think deep down, I do have quite a bit of confidence, but I just need to, to play and, and keep learning and, and learn through playing rather than um, in the nets. Cause I think there's, that's only, you can't, uh, there's only so much you can get from that. And I've done a lot of that in the last two years. So I just really want to focus on, what's to come and hopefully lots of game time. More importantly than the cricket stuff that came from that one not out, what I want to know is how many different styles of glasses from Specsavers have you got? Like, have you changed it up? Have you gone thin frames, couple of big ones, couple of tinted versions? Like, they literally just said, have whatever you want and, and just I need to know this because I want to try the same trick, basically, but with commentary. So, yeah. How, how many glasses you got? No, um, <laughs> I've got one pair. And what? So yeah, one, one. Boring. You're really not playing this right. Yeah, I think that that's one thing I'm worried about going to Australia is obviously how sweaty it's going to be, and I don't have any hair, which means that the, <laughs> the sweat just I get like it just goes onto my glasses, and I know those Australians are going to be in my face if I'm there <laughs> cleaning my glasses all the time. I need. A Hang on. Well, I think what what I think Wear is a you need to. No, no, no! You need to get a slap and stick. That's the answer, isn't it? What's the you slap? You get like the oh, yeah, yeah. Well, shave it all off and drop him pitch on the top of his head. The leech Too turns late. up for the ashes with a full, oh, head, full of head of hair. Oh, perfect! Oh, looking, looking he? like I want you to look like Noel Edmonds at the first <laughs> test match. <laughs> it's too late. I was imagining more Mahela Jai Wardner, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> by the way, all of you, all of you should be wearing cotton. Should be wearing a cotton thing on the top of your head, underneath the helmet. Because your plastic helmet yeah. reduces your strength. And so you need to wear a, uh, a natural fibre between your head and that helmet anyway. And that will help with the sweat. So, yeah, maybe a bandana. So you reckon a bandana? Sponsored bandana. Yeah, well, look at, look at, look at, look at Mahela or Chris Gale. I mean, you, you have so much in common yeah. with Chris Gale, the universe boss. You both have handers. <laughs> you both like bosh, bosh it all over the game. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good shout. I'm going to try You've that. very what? dark, by the way, in your room. You've turned into the milk tray man on Zoom. I need to turn a light on, don't I? Hang on. Oh, well, I, for one, am glad that uh, that Jack Leach didn't wear a bandana or anything to soak up the sweat in that famous innings at Headingley because we wouldn't have got one of the most iconic images of all time, which was you cleaning your glasses in between overs. It was quintessentially British. It was beautiful. Uh, in fact, on the Zero Ducks given uh, Twitter page, I tweeted a photo. I just said, we've got a very special guest joining us for this episode. And all I had to tweet was a photo of some glasses being cleaned by a cloth. <laughs> And all the followers immediately know who you're talking about. It's beautiful. Um, I do actually, I, I wanted to talk about this and I wanted to finish with it. So I'm glad we've segged into it quite nicely. I can't let you go, Jack, but thank you so much for joining us. But before I do, without asking you about that one not out, because it was the best test innings I've ever seen in my life. And I was just in my flat in Clapham by myself. You had the best seat in the house. Yeah. I mean, talk, talk me through 
uh, the ups and downs, the nerves. I remember Ben Stokes saying that he was never really that nervous until suddenly it was doable. And yeah. Suddenly you only needed about 18 to win. Yeah. And then the nerves kicked in. When you're out there, uh, what was it like when it got down to about 18? Were, were, you, were you thinking about it? Were you trying to stay in the zone and not think about the pressure that came of it? Or were you absolutely bricking it? Because I would have been shitting myself. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you shit yourself when a 63 mile an hour league bowls at you on a Saturday, let alone... Bunny. Hey, on the pitches we play on at my standard, that, that could go anywhere. That could hit you right in the chops. Uh, how was it, Jack? Yeah, I, I did get exactly what Ben said. I got more nervous as it got... Uh, closer and and I guess to start with I was sort of I guess very like in the moment and and I felt very focused and because I didn't really think it was doable and um, I think I knew what my role was like Ben made it very clear and then he started doing some crazy stuff and you know I, I think it was when the stewards like started to come out onto the ground like they could feel the ending was was coming at like t- about 10 or 15 to win and and I was like oh, like you know we're gonna do it and then I was like but no we're, like we're not gonna do it if like me and him don't do it like is it all on us so um, <laughs> we have to stay focused and sort of stay in the moment so yeah it was it got really difficult towards the end I've got to ask you Nathan Lyon when he missed that run out where were you going Jack what were you doing what were you what were you playing at? I mean, I wasn't even able to, to watch it. I had to hear it on the radio while I was in Maidenhead and I was screaming, I said, Jesus, what are you what are you playing at? I couldn't even see what was going on. But clearly, I don't know what you were playing at. That moment just like like just takes a little bit of the um I guess, yeah, it ruins it for me a little bit because I always have to watch it. No. <laughs> um but what do you mean ruins it? You, what, what do you mean ruins it? Does the opposite because well, it means that you gave like, the opportunity for Nathan Lyon to screw up. So the man who said he was going to destroy careers yeah. during the last Ashes series, then again, I'm not expecting you to comment because we don't want this to become a war of words. But I thought it was rather amusing yeah. that one of the most iconic moments of 2019 was the bloke who taken to Twitter to say, oh, we're going to destroy people's careers, couldn't take off some bails yeah. hilariously. Well, you won in magnificent yeah, fashion. Yeah, no, it was, um, I think, again, it was like we were so close, but, um, you know, the plan was, well, up until then, had been four or five balls um, Stokes he would face, and then we'd try and get one. And um, But when it was four to win, I think Stokes he was thinking, I'm finishing this, this over. Um, and obviously the next ball after that one, he tried to sweep, and that was the one that apparently was going on to hit, but I didn't think it was out at the time. But anyway, luckily they'd use their last review on a shocking one that over before to me. So um, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I missed that and it hit me on the pad. And so, yeah, I guess it's it's interesting because you kind of look back on those things and see like those great things that happen and how much luck is involved. And I guess that's something that I use to kind of not get too high or too low when things uh, don't go your way because, yeah, it's... Um, a lot of kind of moments like that that can't really take any kind of credit for. And obviously the World Cup final would happen a couple of weeks, a couple of months before that, which was also ridiculous. So yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy game, crazy day. And uh, one that I thoroughly enjoyed. I bet. Jack, I mean... what, what, you, what you need to know a couple of things, uh, because probably no one's told you this, but um, when we came out of lockdown or, or, or as we were sort of coming to the end of lockdown last year, 
the thing that people wanted to hear most of all was the whole day of that Headingley win and especially the last hour. And then they cut up last hour on BBC and played it so many times yeah. on the radio because it is, and they played that more often than they played the World Cup final. Yeah. And I think more people interacted with that incredible test match, that unbelievable day, even than the World Cup final. Yeah. So, the World, and I'm a big fan of the World Cup final, very much enjoyed the World yeah. Cup final. I'm not dissing the World Cup final, no. but you need to know <laughs> that you, you basically were one half of one of the most remarkable hours of cricket that any of us have ever witnessed. And uh, it was, and that, it was amazing. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to take that to, to the rest of your life, you yeah. jammy bastard. Yeah. And all you actually did was block it and then get a single right at the very end, you know, <laughs> of one that was on the hip, frankly, and there was bloody massive gap. Everyone said, oh, that's a great shot. Yeah. Really. I mean, I would have done that. <laughs> Left-hander over the wicket. You think? That, that's the ball that I was getting out to Finney earlier in the year. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think I think just on that is like it. people tell me where they were when they were watching or when it was going on and stuff and, I think something that it does kind of please me is that like obviously test cricket means a lot to a lot of people. And I guess with all the shorter formats coming in and uh, things is like, you know, the, the, the greatest moments probably still do happen in test cricket. And hopefully that, that will continue. And, and there's a real bright future for test cricket. Cause I think it is the purest form of cricket and how it, kind of there's different waves in the game and momentum and you know it tests everything um about both teams and you know we got bowled out for 80 in that first game in the first innings and um also something about Stokes' innings is like what the bowling performance that he did before in the third innings which was like he bowled like 20 over straight and got like four and he just like kept us in the game like in the in such a little way but you know, we had not much chance, but it just, he he is relentless and I love him. We all do. And we look forward to seeing him back uh, on a cricket pitch soon. It's been great to see video and of him can, training on Instagram. I can also say very briefly that, that Viva Test Cricket, because from a broadcaster's point of view, you do one match and you get paid five times the daily fee. Whereas, <laughs> frankly, a 50 over game is a very, very long day for one day's work. So, do you know? Yeah. <laughs> Beaver Test Cricket yeah. so, um, Jack we, we'll we'll let you go but mate thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure and please come back and chat to us again but yeah. best of luck in Australia best of luck with the fitness we're, uh, we'll are we be rooting for you and we'll be shouting our TVs to get Leachy in the squad uh, it's all gone full circle so basically Finney getting you out those two times made you get better at that shot and in many ways he's responsible for for that win at Headingley just as much as you and Ben Stokes. It's, ama- it's yeah. amazing how these things work. Yeah. Before you actually actually do go, Jack, I genuinely want to know, and there's one question I've wanted to ask Jack Leach ever since I've seen Jack Leach play, that England left-arm spinners, in fact, world left-arm spinners, have genuine, he's genuinely mad. He's been mad. a bit mad. He's mad. <laughs> Billy Pedmans, uh, Phil yeah. Tufnell, Monty Panasar. He's very good at hiding it. You, are you mad, but are you hiding it? Um, Finney (laughs) (laughs) yeah so he's hiding it so he's hiding it that's what I needed to know once I I retire once I retire oh I'm going to be crazy (laughs) (laughs) cheers Jack all the best have a good one bye thank you you. thank you so much (laughs)
I love that. Absolutely love that. Great odds from him. Thank you very much to Jack Leach for joining us. Um, very quickly, the last couple of things I want to say is at the time of recording, which is sort of Monday evening, I should mention that uh, Ireland and Scotland have got off to a winning start at the T20 World Cup. Uh, Scotland uh, beating Bangladesh, which is a great win by six Ooh. runs, and Ireland oh, spanking uh, Netherlands with Mark Adair bowling three for nine off his four overs, which is very, very impressive. And he's a Woodstock man. And sadly, the mighty Papua New Guinea were spanked by 10 Ooh. wickets by Oman. Um, always tough to play Oman, though. Always tough to play Oman. No, and, yeah. and also, we've got a live show happening November 13th, 5pm in London. We would love for you to be there. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster, and it's the three of us and the one and only Mr. Steve Harmison uh, is going to be there as well. Finally, Finney, mate, what are your plans out now? Because now that you're basically on your sort of uh, holidays for the next six months, what what you got in the diary between <laughs> now and next week? More golf, more, more singing um, green in the karaoke bar in Bath? Let me think. Actually, yeah, I've got a golf weekend in Tunbridge Unbelievable. on um, Saturday and Sunday. I'm actually working for the BBC on Friday on a World Cup game. Um, and then I'll be talking to you absolutely Muppets next Monday I'd imagine so yeah that's well, it I can scarcely wait uh, chaps uh, lovely to see you um, and uh, thank you very much for listening and if you haven't bought a ticket to our live show yet then then please do because we'd love to see loads of you there and Finney I'm going to let you go back to whatever you're doing playing Xbox in your underwear and Norcross you, I'll let you get back yep. to your glass of that's all that's Pino left. Grigio that's, that's all that's left I've got half a glass left um, you actually have been very convivial well, I say you Jack's been very convivial company and he's really sort of leavened what it's like having to spend an hour with you two um, so <laughs> I'm going to finish that I'm going to go to Wagamama's other noodle outlets are not available in Media City so, so that's well, what if, I've got to go there if, well if you are anywhere in out. the Salford area for the next uh, few days Norcross is there so please lock up your grandmothers <laughs> uh, right all the best see you next week chaps <laughs> bye 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 dude see ya Podcast Network.